Percy then in stoppage time in his first Manchester derby. Van Percy took a reflection. Oh, he's done it! It's Van Percy! Thank goodness he chose red over blue. It's City 2, United 3. Now Rooney. Van Percy making a trademark run again. And what a ball to pick him out! And what a finish! A magnificent goal by Robin Van Persie. If that wins the lead for United, it's a fitting way to do so. Welcome back to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Sam. My pod partners, Helen and Maisie, are on this video chat with me too. Guys, how are you doing? Good, Sam. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Maisie, are you good? All good, Sam. Yes. Yes. All good. Lovely. Uh, so we've now done double figures of these video chat podcasts. And to begin with, one, we didn't know we would do that many. And two, we thought, well, they might not be as good because we might not get the same sort of sort of connection and rapport with people. But actually, I think we've done some phenomenal episodes like this. Yeah. Probably because people have nothing to do. Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> They've been in lockdown, just talk to us. I think that's what happened with like uh, Patrice Evra. We spoke for so long. I also feel like when people are in their own homes, they're a lot more relaxed, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. They can hang up whenever they want. Yeah, but I totally agree. Been very, very enjoyable doing them this way. It will be nice to get back and see people face to face, but... It will. Yeah, the it minute, This yeah. is the way it is. Look at all the trips we've missed out on. I know. I know. Nanny in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, this one should be excellent, and we have to thank Helen for this one because she sorted this one out by getting in touch with Robin Van Persie's wife, Bushra. Uh, and a great thing happened is so uh, our producer, Matthew, got in touch with Van Persie's agent once this has all sort of started happening and Helen had spoken to Bushra. And then he got in touch and said, So, uh, Matthew, uh, I'm talking to uh, you, and we're going to do this Van Persie podcast. What is it you want to speak to Bushra about? <laughs> so there was a slight thing with crossed wires, but we aren't doing BVP. We are going to do RVP. RVP. Very excited for this one, actually. Should be good. So Helen, are you are you close with the Van Persies? Um. So when Robin and Bushra came to United, I can't really remember how it happened. I think there was just one box left at Old Trafford, but it was a big one. So we didn't know them. Obviously, they didn't know us, but we shared a box and got to know them and got to know their family every week, and it was really really nice. Really nice people. Very good. That is nice. And actually, one week, um, I think it was a Champions League evening game, Louis van Gaal was actually in the box. Right. Nice. There you go. Maisie, obviously, we've seen just a handful of individual players come to United, hit the ground running, and fire the club to success. And RVP epitomises that and more. Yeah. Unbelievable player for Man United. There's not many players, centre forwards, that come to United and hit the ground running. But he did it with a plum. And... Elch United win the league, which is like... Dream come true for him, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Particularly because he's, you know, he's played so long at Arsenal. But to come to United and do that, and, and the way he did it as well, some of the goals he scored were phenomenal. They really were. Mm-hmm. I am excited to ask him what he thinks his best goal is. Because there was the... For Arsenal, we scored that volley against Cholton. For us, was the volley against Villa. And then, for the Netherlands, the header against Spain. It has to be the Villa one, surely. I also think you can't compare club goal and country goal because it's a different feeling isn't it I wouldn't know sorry neither would I but just uh, <laughs> just on like the technical level of scoring the goal yes just technically yes literally the goal not what it meant yeah yeah just just yeah, which was the I best goal yeah yeah 
Okay, we've made you wait long enough. We'll be back for our usual post-match analysis. But for now, here's Robin Van Persie. Hi, Robin. Robin, how are you doing? Hello. Can you hear me? Perfect. How are you? Very good, thank you. How are you? Good, absolutely delighted to have you uh, with us. Yes, good, thank you. You have been requested numerous times by fans and ex-players too, so it is great to have you here. Good. What uh, What are you doing at the moment? Tell us what, what life is like for you. Post-corona time, pre-corona time? or Bit of both. <laughs> Post, we'll, well go pre, uh, pre-corona first. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, last year I uh, stopped playing football. Mm-hmm. Since that day, um, well, basically it was a it was a new sort of life, you know, for me, Bushra and the kids, uh, because I've only been used to until that moment to that strict yeah, structure of training, playing from a very young age, like most footballers. So that was very new, um, uh, and I spoke to a lot of people who stopped as well. They said, yeah, you will, you will. Uh, after a couple of months, you will start to miss it, and you will this, but. To be fair, up until now, um, I uh, sport a lot. I do padel tennis, normal tennis. I swim, I run, I play football, and I'm free. And I spend mm-hmm. time with my uh, kids, with, with Bushra. So we are now a bit over a year since I stopped. And, and I like it, you know. It's, uh, I'm, I'm at peace with it, uh, because I, I know, because I talked to Peter Crouch, for example. And he said that, he, that he, uh, in, in the first couple of months that, that he was yeah, searching and looking for his for his way, and um, but in my case, it, it wasn't really that case because we, we we came back as well a couple of years ago in my last period at final to to play. So that was after being abroad for almost 14 years. That felt like holiday. Uh, that period, that first period, still playing, and then um, I'm yeah sort of doing some, some, some work for BT Sports, um, here and there I have a commercial deal, I do some charity work, um, I'm just having a very good time actually. Good. You've been doing uh, lots of media work, do you enjoy doing that side? Is that something you're interested in being involved in post-playing? No, I uh, learn a lot from that, it's like, um, because I didn't really, um, I wasn't really a massive fan of being, at, yeah, when, when I was playing to be constantly in, in the spotlight and to have loads of interviews, etc. But I do learn a lot from Jake, for example, and from uh, Gary, uh, how they present, how they, what they have to do to, like, basically talk for a couple of hours with five people in their ears, and you know, it, it gave me a great insight of um, uh, what the talents these guys are, you know, because it is very, very difficult job, and so. Basically, the last year, um, uh, I, I could just learn and see how the other side from the football pitch works, and 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 I, and I do really like it. You know, it is not directly my comfort zone to um, talk live for a couple of hours about uh, football or something, but it is something what triggers me. It is something what um, I like to do uh, very good, and I like to give my honest opinion without any uh, side stuff or whatever. Just if, if Arsenal's playing, I would like to give my honest opinion about Arsenal. Mm-hmm. If Manchester's playing, I would like to do the same. Or if anyone is playing, I would like to just share my views. And um, my views are not always the truth. You know, it's just how I see it. And uh, that is how, how I would, would like to uh, yeah, fill that, that part in. And um, so far, I, I, I do like it. Do you, do you find it hard criticizing people? 
Um, so much as you try to be honest yourself, but do you think, ooh, I was a little bit harsh there? Yeah, yeah. It, it is a thin line because I don't want to, uh, because I know how it feels when you're at, at the other side. The other side. And especially when you know the pundit or something, it is, uh, I, I know how the message can uh, come, sort of, come in. And uh, so I do, uh, be yeah, because I don't want to harm anyone. I don't want to create a story. I, I just want to give my opinion. And most of the time it is positive. Sometimes it is negative or it could be better in a way. So I do um, think twice about the words I choose. But in the end, I'm sitting here and, um, uh, you know, if, if I don't give my honest opinion, yeah. it's not honest towards BT. You know, yeah. so so I, I still give my uh, yeah, honest opinion, but I I don't want to score or something. I don't want to make the papers. It, it's it's like I've been in the papers enough my career. So it's 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 not that is not the reason why I'm doing it. It is uh, something that triggers me. It is outside of my comfort zone, which I like, and and I learn a lot from as well because I've I've been listening to what, for example, Jake hears hears in his ears. It's like after five minutes, I was, I was dizzy. I was like, oh my God, it's like five people talking in here. Think about that, talk about this. It's like, that's, that's hard work, you know? And I have a lot of, yeah, respect for that, you know, for uh, such talent, you know? Because, mm -hmm. uh, and before I didn't realize it that way. You know, I didn't realize that, that people from the media, presenters um, are like uh, players as well. Very, very talented uh, people uh, doing an absolute great job. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> yeah, no, but this is, yeah, you're welcome. It counts for you guys as well. <laughs> First person I've heard say that. <laughs> um, do you listen to podcasts? Uh, yes, I do sometimes. I uh, listen to the one from Rio. Mm -hmm. um, up until my own podcast with Jake, uh, I, I wasn't really into podcasts. Um, but from that moment, I tend to listen to it more. Um, what I do uh, as well, what I do listen to is uh, I listen to uh, Ed Sheeran's podcast and that, that, that is combined with him. It's like a live session of making music and talking oh. about his songs. I did listen to one and he was talking about like his um, inspirations for his music and stuff. Was that that one? Yeah. Love Ed Sheeran. Yeah, so uh, I think it's that one. Mm -hmm. And so, so I do um, listen to it from a different view as well as before. Before I was just basically reading stuff I, I was interested in. Uh, now I uh, read or listen to stuff to learn from as well mm -hmm. and to um, actually uh, to, to help myself in, in, in that kind of situation. I uh, learn a lot from Rio as well. Rio has, has been doing uh, pundit work for the last couple of years. I think he's doing a great job in that. Uh, so I learned from him as well, you know, just by listening and to, um, yeah, listen to his podcast, uh, working with him, uh, working with Jake, with Gary, uh, with, with uh, Michael Owen, for example, how he, uh, yeah, sort of, because it is a bit of, yeah, sort of presenting, you have to, you have to present your story in a way mm -hmm. that it comes across to, to all people or to most people, not just 5%, mm -hmm. you want to reach 80, 90% with your story. Uh, so the, the point is that most people get you, most people get my point and uh, you have many ways of doing that uh, but I do uh, learn from these guys because these guys are so, so talented you know, in, in their job and, um, and listening to podcasts and listening to Ed Sheeran and to uh, watch a documentary uh, um, like 
the, the last dance for yeah it's like before I was watching it because it was just fun you know it was just looking at Michael Jordan the big winner the fantastic basketball player but now I look at uh, that whole series from a different point of view just to learn as well that was a great series wasn't it that was fantastic yeah but as well the, the, just his insight of mm -hmm. uh, his mindset his mindset and yeah. how to deal with difficult situations how to deal with difficult opponents how to deal with his teammates you know at times he was on the edge of being bullish you know but then he could always explain himself because he had one big reason and that was that he uh, he just wanted to win at any cost and in that yeah, series he I think he explains it very well uh, why he behaved in a certain way you know so people can learn from that as well so I uh, do like to listen and watch those kind of series and podcasts now more than before. Well, we're hoping that the people listening today, there'll be people at the gym or walking their dogs or sat at home or painting a fence. We are hoping we can give them over the next 45 minutes, hour or however long we talk for, a bit of an insight into you. Uh, we yep. might not be able to compete with The Last Dance because we don't have quite as long as that, <laughs> but we're going to do our very best to get into uh, Robin Van Persie, what made him and how he became the icon that he, that you are to Manchester United fans. Um, and so we're trying not to ask you the same questions that you asked on the Jake Humphrey podcast because there's no point doing the same thing. So if people want to listen to that, they absolutely can. Uh, and also it means you're not going to repeat yourself. So yep. let's go back to the very, very beginning then. So you were born in Rotterdam and you started playing when you were six right for Excelsior uh, I actually started playing uh, when I was five and a half that was a half a year early because normally back then uh, you was allowed to play uh, from the age of six uh, but then my uh, because I had a lot of energy so I was always running around and I was always busy so my dad uh, brought me to Excelsior Rotterdam and he said can you play he's good and then the coach said yeah Every parent says his yeah. son is good, <laughs> you know? so um, he has to wait because he's too young. Uh, and then I kicked the ball back with my left foot, quite a good one. And then he said, okay, he can, he can, he can come for a trial next week. And then uh, I think I did two sessions with them and then I got picked for the highest team for the under six. And that's actually how it started and uh, the, the reason why, I, why my dad chose Excelsior was uh, basically because we lived on uh, 500 meters from Excelsior, so that is it and uh, that is how it uh, started. I played for Excelsior from the age of well, five and a half, six then, uh, until I was 13. And uh, sh yeah, shall I just build yeah. it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but, um, at this, I'll, I'll jump in with one question though. At this age, for you, uh, was it all football or did you like uh, painting or dancing or, or anything else or just football? Uh, no, it was, it was for me, it was uh, many sports actually. And that is what I can, uh, as a message for people who are listening now, can give as well. I think any kid, uh, boys, girls, you should uh, try to uh, do as many sports as you can um, because it's healthy for, for the first reason. And as well, I think you triggering many aspects of your body if you because I used to play table tennis I was swimming a lot I was cycling a lot playing football tennis I think in the end without realizing it it did help me uh, becoming a better footballer but the main thing for me was that I was doing it because I liked it you know it was like as, as a kid you should always be if you're six you should be 
able to behave like a six-year-old. If you're 10, you should be able yeah. to stay a kid, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and do stuff what kids do, you know what I mean? And uh, don't go too soon into the serious mode of mm. uh, trying to become a better player or stuff like that. No, it's like until I was 15, 16, I never yeah, sort of realized to... I, I, yeah, I wasn't really focusing on becoming a better player when I was 15. I was just doing stuff I liked, and there was many sports. Have you always, have you always been a centre forward? No, no. Good question, actually. Because normally footballers, it's a good enough to start at the front and finish at the front. They do, but generally, as you go on in three, your career seem to end up working yeah. backwards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the rest of the lads no, do. With, with, with me, it was a, a bit different. I uh, in the youth, I mainly played as a number ten, second striker, mm -hmm. which is a shame now. Is that the number ten is is like not how it used to be? You know, before you had the, you had the number ten who is the playmaker who makes more assists than goals, uh, who has a kind of a free role. Yeah. Um, but that is slowly disappearing. When you was like between six, seven, eight, ten, was you always the best player in your team? Um, well, it's difficult to say. Um, maybe early days I was, uh, but then when I went to Feyenoord in my first year, I probably still was. And then I had a period, and this could be interesting as well, is that uh, yeah, I was 14, 15, I wasn't playing my best football. And um, I do get it now, people from Feyenoord uh, make the story nice, like uh, Robin was always the best player, but it wasn't the case, if I'm really honest. Uh, you had other players who were physically stronger, faster than me, uh, more technical, etc. Because I uh, like in the under 14s and under 15s, I had, had some difficult periods, uh, so I wasn't the best player then. But my luck was that that I truly loved to play football, and uh, I could slowly see towards the age of 16, 17, 18, I could see those great players who were unbelievable when they were 14, 15. I could slow, yeah, slowly see their games, and uh, I could I could slowly see their game going down a little bit more. They, they were getting girlfriends, they were going out, they were doing some naughty stuff uh, here and there. And of course I did my stuff as well. But the, but the main focus was, um, was football. And I was every day I was in the tracksuit. Mm -hmm. Every day I had the ball with me. Even when I was going shopping, I had the ball with me. I truly loved football. And um, I think that is, that is uh, one very big uh, thing which which really helped me because as a youth player you you have to be at your yes. very best when you're 17 18 because that's the moment to go to the first team and I could see those other players dropping and I was going up when I was 16 17 after those like uh, bad uh, two years in the under 14s and 15s I really picked up from the 16 17 to 18s and the other guys weren't and uh, I think that is down to focus as well mm -hmm. I was really focused I really had my my, my dream, it was very clear to me. I just want to make it as fast as possible. And uh, so, so I wasn't really joining them in doing yeah, some naughty stuff here and there. Did you, did you get good advice of your parents at this age? Um, or was it more just yourself, fully focused? Um, I was a lot out on, on the streets playing and uh, that, that toughened me as well. I mm -hmm. think that was very good for me. At times, um, I would think that my dad was too positive, so he was making from a bad game. He was making it the okay yeah. game, and, and 
So sometimes, uh, if I look back at that, he could be more critical at times. It, it possibly would have helped me uh, more. But that is now is is like the uh, constant question I ask myself as well with my kids, yeah. uh, because my kids are uh, 10 and 13. Dina is 10 and Shaquille is 13, and uh, Bushra and me are constantly debating about what is clever to do. Because as parents, we do think that, that we uh, have all mm. the knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't, but we do think it. So <laughs> we, we are trying to, to help our kids. But are you really helping them by telling them everything, how they should behave, how they should not make a mistake? And our conclusion is, is that, uh, for, the, well, for the last like, plenty of years, is that we should let them make mistakes because from mistakes the kids learn you know mm -hmm. uh, we are there as a guideline for them we are uh, there if if it goes really wrong as parents you should be there this is how, how we see it uh, but sometimes we actually let our kids make mistakes and we um, let them struggle a little bit because mm -hmm. you know it is uh, how we grew up me and my wife is different than how our kids grew up you know mm -hmm. they, they yeah. uh, uh, live more in a bubble, you know, if, if they have a, like before in Manchester, for example, when they had a play date, we, we bring them to the play date, everything is done, they have this amazing party, we pick them up from the play date, uh, food is ready, you know, it's, it's in the basics, it's, it's less of a struggle anyway for them. Um, so would we really help them if they have some sort of setback somewhere, would we be really helping them if we solve that for them? I don't think so. I don't think we are really helping them in the long term. Mm. So, um, so we do like to let them struggle a little bit here and there. You know, if it goes really bad, then, then we're there to help them. And then we're there to communicate and to solve the situation. But everything until 70% of a problem, they should uh, fix themselves. Difficult to let your children make mistakes, though, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. a, as you say, it's a fine line. It's a thin line, yeah. Uh, Robin, growing up, did you watch much Premier League? Well, it was a different time, you know. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it isn't a time like now where you have YouTube and you have all the Premier League games and the games from Germany and Italy and Spain. It was different because my highlight of watching football was uh, Sunday, 7 o'clock in, in Holland with the, the Dutch uh, Premier League, basically. And there was um, some short highlights, not, not even just just the big chances and the goals. And that was it. it I wasn't really watching uh, Champions League games or, uh, or, or big other games. No, national team games during the tournaments. Yes, I was watching that from the age of eight, ten. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was a different time, you know, um, there was no iPad, there was no nothing really. Um, mm -hmm. So you just had to make a nice time with your friends. And uh, yeah, sometimes we are talking about that with, uh, with the kids, like, can you imagine? Just, yeah, sometimes I tease them a little bit. I said, okay, today we have an iPhone free afternoon. iPhone, no <laughs> iPhone, no iPad, no nothing, just us. You know, when we're somewhere out or something, oh my God. God, the struggle they're going through. <laughs> the struggle. Oh, it hurts them. When you first said that in my head, I thought you meant they're going to have to use an iPhone 3 so they know what life was really like back in the day. <laughs> no, no, nothing. In, uh, so, so it's us as well. So we are basically, we have no iPhone, no iPad, no nothing, no games, no PlayStation. When we're home, nothing. 
Ah, oh, they're going, they're suffering. It's like a couple of months. I said, can you imagine? Our whole childhood was like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so, so funny. Robin, we haven't got absolutely hours and hours and hours. So we want to get to the Man United stuff. But before we yeah. do, we want to make sure we cover how you got there in that journey. So I'll ask you a quick question about your time at Feyenoord. Obviously, you, you made your debut at 17. You started. 18. Oh, it's 18. Yeah. Okay. And then you started the UEFA Cup final. Um, yeah. you, you fell out with your manager and then you got put into the reserves and then you got attacked by some hooligans in the reserves. Yeah. What was that that experience like for you during that, that time in your early years as a professional? Uh, well, that was a tough one because that was against uh, Ajax. And um, we, uh, I was, like you said, I was uh, as a first team player playing in, in the second team. And... Um, there was a couple of hundred thousand people at the youth complex uh, watching and there was a tense uh, atmosphere. Uh, I think they scored first, I scored 1-1 uh, and then they scored the 2-1 and 3-1. We lost the game. And then after the game, the, the fans came on the uh, pitch and they uh, uh, yeah, threw a couple of punches. You know, it, it was negative, but then, yeah, you know, it, it shouldn't have happened. But it did. Um, but in a way, it did do me a, a huge favor uh, because there were some doubts about my uh, mental, yeah, sort of stability. You can say it. Uh, how I, uh, the scouts of Arsenal, they were having some second thoughts, they were some questions. How I would behave in extreme uh, games, for example. Mm. Now that was an extreme game where people threw uh, beer over me. They were spitting at me. It was very negative. But I stayed calm. I scored my goal. Okay, we did lose, but um, so that was the final check for the chief scout of Arsenal, Steve Rowley. Um, so from something very negative, it, it was bad because a couple of guys got got um, um, yeah attacked, and um, one of the guys uh, went to hospital, and it was negative. You know, it shouldn't have happened. But it did. But from that situation, uh, something very, very positive came out of that because uh, Steve Rowley was convinced. After that game, he said, OK, he's, he's strong enough. He's, he's ready to, to start his process at Arsenal. Did that um, experience change your relationship through the years with how you saw football fans of the clubs you played for? Because I could see how that could very easily put a wall up and make you feel more guarded toward fans when you know they could turn on you so quickly. Um... No, it didn't really, really uh, had a big influence on me. I, I wasn't obviously happy about it, but no, no, I, it didn't uh, make me see fans in, uh, in yeah, sort of general different or something. Uh, it, it was just maybe ten or twenty uh, ones who uh, misbehaved, you know. So I can't really say that all fans were bad. No, it were only only a small group. Yeah, it shouldn't have happened, but it did, and. The way I see it is that something very positive came out of it uh, because I went to Arsenal after that. Um, so it was, it was for me, I did see it as a uh, sort of a big test, which I succeeded in. When you went to Arsenal, were there other clubs about or was it just Arsenal that, that was the option? Yeah, I was, I was actually, um, I, wa I, w I was about to sign for PSV. Uh, well, I, I, was get, I was getting closer with PSV. Um, um, so and uh, Seville, Seville was one of the options as well, and PSV, or staying one more year at Feyenoord. That was um, those were my options. And then um, uh, because of that game, because of Steve Rowley's uh, words to Arsene, 
uh, everything went very fast. And then a couple of days later, I was in the plane towards London and uh, signed for Arsenal. Had you been to London before? No, <laughs> never. Were you scared? Did you go with family? No, I went with uh, Bushra to that first meeting when we uh, signed the deal. It was, it was basically, I think it was in one day, even in and out. We flew in the morning and came back in the evening. No, so it was, of, of course, and like in Holland, because at that period of time I was playing in the second team. It's, uh, so, I, so I wasn't really a, a first 11 player at Feyenoord who, uh, where, where everything went smooth or something. Mm -hmm. I, there, there, there were still some questions around me. And everyone was like, ah, what is Robin doing at Arsenal? You know, you have, he has to compete with Thierry Henry, with Bergkamp, with Perez, with all those type of guys. And, um, but I knew because I talked to Arsene that it was a, a like long-term process. And Arsene wasn't really um, ex yeah, sort of expecting for me to be a, a starting 11 player in, uh, in a couple of months. So he said, just take your time, learn, ask questions, uh, don't be shy. He said, then just play your football. He said, your time will come, but not next year. He said, your, your time will be after that, if you do well, uh, if you adapt and if you uh, play from our, our style, if you, uh, if, if you want to change your uh, style of football as well. Because back in the day, I was getting the ball, making my actions, um, and wasn't really thinking, about, uh, thinking enough about my colleagues. And uh, Arsenal was... Uh, playing from combinations and it was a different uh, style of play. So I had to adjust and and I wanted to do that. I wanted to learn. I wanted to become a better player. Um, and, and I did realize that, that I wasn't the top player at that time. Uh, but I wanted to be there uh, because I wanted to play with, with, with the best players. Did it also help you having Dennis Bergkamp there as well? Yeah, Dennis helped me a lot. Did you know him before through the national team or no? No, no. No, but it was quite funny because we... Uh, yeah, Bushra and me sometimes joke about it. It's like we, we literally left uh, when we went back for pre-season. So basically after that uh, first time when we signed, we went back a month or six weeks later for my pre-season. We, we just literally packed one bag each and um, we just went by car. And um, and now we, we uh, and, and, and then we, we, we just didn't know uh, what what would happen? We were in a new country, new people, new challenge for me. So it was very. We were like kids, you know. We were 20 years mm. old. We we didn't know what to expect. And then when we came back, uh, 14 years later, <laughs> we had these <laughs> trucks yeah. of stuff and <laughs> furniture and all sorts <laughs> to think about. And then she was like, when we coming back from uh, Istanbul. A couple of years ago, Bush was like, oh my God, it was way easier <laughs> the time we yeah, even right. went, you know? <laughs> okay, so of your, of your uh, memories at Arsenal, obviously there'll be some great ones for you. You beat Manchester United in an FA Cup final. Not yeah. something we need to linger on. No. But I am curious, and I don't ask this in, a, in any kind of malicious fashion, but what was the... Because we, we've never had an opportunity to ask anybody, because we've heard players yeah. from the red side, but we've never been able to ask an Arsenal player... What was it like in the dressing room after the the game that finished 8-2? Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> painful. Oh, my God, that was painful. Yeah. Um, Why do you think that happened? No, I, to be fair, I, yeah. I mean, I guess you don't see a result like that coming. No, I think Manchester United played really well, but every shot went in. Yeah. And uh, I, I missed the penalty that game, I think, on... 
two one down or something like that, something close. I think it was it might have even been one nil still. Yeah, okay, so one nil was close. I missed that penalty and then you think, oh no. Um and then after that every single shot went in. Mm. Um yeah, it was it was painful because we were we uh, couldn't really compete at that time and um yeah to lose eight two in the end. I think I did nick one goal. You know, so just just yeah. for the stats, it was it was okay. But there was uh, there was a tough day at the office. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So after the game, after the game, it was was uh, everyone was was down. Yeah, very down, obviously. What was it like playing against Manchester United? Um, what was it like playing against Manchester? Would 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 that be one of the first fixtures you'd look at, or would it be the Spurs game, North London derby? Yeah, yeah, Manchester United, um, uh, Spurs. Chelsea, those yeah. type of games, but against Manchester United, we, we as an Arsenal player, we always had the feeling that we were doing well, that we that we were in the game, that we were playing well, and then suddenly we were one or two nil behind, and that was uh, for quite a long time with with fast players like um, Ronaldo, played Nani, you know these type of players, and then. Um, after the game, we, we lost one nil or two nil or whatever, and then. And then we just re- and then we were thinking, yeah, but we we were actually better. You know, we are better. That that was our view. Yeah. Our view was that we were better. But most of the time we were losing. <laughs> and uh, that was from yeah counter attacks. That was from corner kicks. You know, so, so we knew where we were. Uh, yeah, um, where, where we should improve. You know, um, but it was just tough against these guys because Manchester United was. They had uh, they had fantastic players. They had, they had mm. mature players, winners who knew how to win. Um, and who knew how to, how to defend, you know? Because I had to compete against. Uh, well, later in my later stages, I was playing at the top against uh, Rio and uh, and Johnny against uh, Vida, and there was one other. Uh, John John O'Shea was there as well. So all proper defenders. And um, um, I don't know. Well, possibly that was the difference. It's like these guys, they they put everything they have just to block a ball or to defend the shot or uh, as a team to defend corners and uh, it was always very difficult to score against Manchester United. Is it true you once broke your foot celebrating a goal against United? Yes. How did that happen? Yeah, that's true. That was um, um, with Arsenal uh, when we won 2-0. I scored the 1-1. I came on in that game and I scored the 1-1. A very good goal actually. Uh, I went past, uh, or there was a cross from the right side, and, and I slided in, uh, in, in uh, high in the, in the net uh, behind Van der Sar. And then by that landing, I uh, broke my uh, fifth metatarsal, a stretch fracture. Uh, so I straight away realized, like, ooh, this is, a, this is a very strange feeling. But if I look back at that goal, that was my first big goal. You know, I was like, I, I, I did, at that moment, I think it was one and a half season in or something. I think I scored a, a couple already, of 15 or 16 goals, but never against a big team. So it was a huge target of mine to uh, score against Manchester United or Chelsea or uh, any one of the big teams. And uh, so that day it happened. So I, it was a very mixed feeling because after that goal, I straight away knew like, oof, this is, this is not right. This this is very painful, and um, so I did play on for 20 minutes, uh, which, which didn't really help. Um, <laughs> afterwards, I was out for uh, for four and a half months. 
with that uh, broken metatarsal. Uh, but to be fair, the first couple of weeks, uh, I, I did have a good feeling uh, because of that goal. Sorry, guys. <laughs> if we can fast forward, Robin, um, to the 4th of July, 2012. Yeah. Very, very important day for Manchester United fans. Uh, tell us about that day. Tell us about the running um, up to that day, the conversations with Sir Alex. How did it all come about? I know you've spoken about it, but if you could just tell us briefly. Was it the 4th of July? I think it was the 4th of July that you said you wouldn't be staying at Arsenal. Ah, sorry, ah, sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. I've mixed two notes together. The 4th, yes, so, you said yeah. you weren't going to stay on at Arsenal. Ah, uh, yeah, with the open letter. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, I did talk, uh, talk about that as well. If, if I could do it again, I would not write an open letter because it's impossible to, to uh, really give you uh, like my views and the whole uh, situation uh, in a couple of pages. So if I, uh, if, if I can turn something back, I will do that differently. Um, but, but that was the day. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, from my point of view, by then, it was clear that, that I wanted to go to uh, Manchester United. Uh, because before that, a lot of stuff uh, have been said, have been happening. Uh, I had loads of uh, chats with, with, with many people at Arsenal. Um, so when so when we did that, then uh, it was it was quite clear that it was going into that direction. Yeah, I remember seeing the rumours and stuff, and as a fan, just trying so hard not to get too excited about anything, because United are linked to everybody every summer, every yeah. year. So I, I try really hard, just as like self-preservation. Don't believe it until you see the player holding the shirt. But the idea of not only taking. Arsenal's best player and especially being a southern Manchester United fan like I hated Arsenal so <laughs> the idea of taking their best player and him coming to us when when we needed someone to score some goals was so exciting and then when you did your press conference and you spoke about the little boy inside of you it was like it was like winning the league already that's how it felt on that day what did that feel like for you uh well what what the Press conference or? Yeah, sitting down and telling the world, this is where I am, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, well, maybe I, I could have chosen uh, different words, but what <laughs> I meant to say was that... Oh, I think if, the words uh, were perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do get that. But from my point of view, uh, what, what I was trying to say is that when you have to make a difficult decision, and it was a very difficult decision, if you add up everything, if you, because the last few months were, were very difficult for me as well, and, and, and as well for my family. Uh, because at home, for example, uh, at, at one point I uh, told Shaquille, I said, uh, Shaquille, I said, because Shaquille was a fan of uh, Rooney. And he said, uh, so I said, do, do you like the idea uh, of me playing, playing together with Rooney? He said, yeah. Uh, is he coming to Arsenal? <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. I said, uh, we are going there. He said, yeah, but that's far. Aww. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's in a different city. He was quite young then. And he was like, yeah, but I just have my friends at school. And he said, no, man, I'm happier. <laughs> so he was not too happy about it. <laughs> he was not too, too keen. But yeah, with kids, they, yeah. The resilient. They uh, after quickly, after they? three or four days in uh, Manchester, they, were, they, they had new friends. It was going so fast, you know, that they were, they were really happy in Manchester. And uh, like a lot of people told me from London, friends from London, why are you going to? He said, he said okay, just to live in Manchester is very difficult. I said, really, is it that bad? He said, yeah, it's always raining, you know, the <laughs> classic story about Manchester. 
I said, yeah, okay, but but I want to make the move, so uh, so so yeah, so I'm doing it. And then we had one of the best years in Manchester. Like Bushra and the kids, uh, the kids were so happy. I was so happy there. Uh, Bushra was very happy. Uh, it's like London is a beautiful city, you know. But if you compare London and Manchester, it's like in London most people are in a rush, mm. you know, even with a little chat, you know, that they're always in a rush, they're always busy working. Chat, chat, chat. In Manchester, I noticed that. A lot of people, are, uh, th th they just have more time. You can have a chat and, oh, shall we go for lunch or shall we do this or shall we do that? And it's just a different lifestyle. And I think when you have a family, I think it's, it's the perfect place to be. Mm -hmm. Robin, did you feel like of that little hole in the squad was just meant for you when you came? Yeah, because Berbatov was about to leave. Eh? I think he was, he was on his way um, because I did train with Berbatov for a couple of weeks. I could see, I, I could still see his class. You know, he, he was, he was, uh, uh, I think, out of protest a little bit. Uh, he was uh, during some training sessions. He was playing as a centre back, <laughs> um, but he was, he was still doing that very good. You know, he was still <laughs> as a of as a centre back. He was, he was doing mm -hmm. it very well. Um, but, but, but I do believe that, um, yeah, especially in that first year, that mm -hmm. it was a very good connection uh, with the guys as well, uh, with, with Ferguson, with uh, Möllestein, with the players. Uh, because there was a question for, from my point of view as well, uh, before I signed, I uh, just checked uh, with how the older players uh, were looking at, at me coming there and playing with them, you know. I said I wanted to know, I wanted to know if, if they're okay with it or not. Uh, I, I said because we've been competing for the last eight years. I said we're all human. Uh, so uh, they said no. What, what, for, what was important for me was, was that the guys would accept me as, as the player and person who I am. Yeah. You know? um, so after, after I checked that, everything was positive and well. And, and how, they were how did you check that? Who, how, did you, how did you speak to somebody and say... How, how would this work? Would it, is it going to be okay? Through uh, Möllestein, the assistant okay, coach. Yeah. 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 So he did that and uh, everyone, everyone was very positive. And then, um, yeah, after that, you know, uh, after that, it's like that the trainings were different because that's with every coach. You know, it, it's not better or worse. Yeah. It's just different. Uh, but what I noticed for myself as well, it is, is, is that I, uh, if, if I look at my body, for example, well, yeah, of course, the first couple of years at Arsenal, but when I was 25, 26, uh, but if I compare that body, just physically, to the body I had um, after a year in Manchester, there was more muscles, it was stronger, it was like, you could, could see it from my uh, up, uh, up, upper body, you could see it from my bum, like, it was, uh, it was a couple of, uh, yeah, uh, more kilos, you know, there were more kilos there, it was all muscle, uh, that that must be, you know, because sometimes I ask myself the question, why was that, you know? Uh, but but that that yeah, must be the, the training sessions, the uh, gym sessions we did. That was in a different way. That for the first time I was getting to know um, parkour gym sessions. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, basically exercise after exercise after exercise for about twelve times, uh, and then a couple of rounds, you know. So it does give you extra body. Uh, so it was different, um, but but not per se better or, or no. uh, yeah, you know it was it, it just clicked, you know it was it was just um, I think with, with the sessions we had with Ferguson and with Möllestein, it was very uh, focused on the next opponent. So basically every week 
we had different kind of sessions. Uh, for example, if we played against uh, Chelsea, um, um, we, so the whole week we were training on um, going over their left side, so our right side, getting a low cross. Why a low cross? Because we need a low finish against Czech. Because Czech is very tall, Czech has difficulties going down. Uh, so that detailed, you know, and that is what I really like. That really triggered me. Mm -hmm. It's like during the week already I could really imagine myself like an us working on that and then uh, doing it in the game, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, most of the games actually those practices did uh, actually come out. And uh, I, th I think th those practices only gave us an extra 12 points in that season. Can you remember your first conversation with Sir Alex and the expectations? Did he say, you know, I need you to score 20, 25 goals? Or was it just a case of, listen, we know what you can do, just go out there and do it? No, I, th I think he was, uh, he was very clear. He um, uh, said that he wanted to use me as a main striker, mm -hmm. occasionally uh, behind it. But he, he didn't really put a lot of pressure on me, you know, and he didn't, he just said listen he said this is the reason why I buy you uh, he said and uh, because I believe in you you know the, the I've, he uh, did believe he uh, told me that that uh, I, I was the missing link to, to win the league he said that beforehand he said I will help you I will help you uh, because the, the, the players need to get to know you as well because the way you run the the, 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 the way you play yeah he said um, I will make it work you know and those words were enough you know because you can talk hours but you know, if you just hear those couple of sentences, you think, ah, okay, you know, um, this this will be okay, yeah. So I find it fascinating that someone who is a, a senior pro, you weren't a young player when you moved to United, and you had the Premier League golden boot in your back pocket, and you still wanted to check that the players you were going to sign for, uh, the team you were going to sign for, the players would accept you. I think it's a really, really surprising um, sort of shyness, maybe, in, and humility in you that you would, you would, you would expect someone of your stature to be happy to walk into any club. What was it like when those players did become teammates and players that you played against so many times, like Giggs and Skulls and uh, uh, Vida and Rio and Wayne Rooney? Was, was did you instantly gel? Yes, from, from day one. And that was uh, partly because I uh, came in and I had a different role than I had at Arsenal. My role at Arsenal, I was their captain, I was one of the oldest players. It's like everything behind the, 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 the pitch, I was like uh, helping them uh, with, with the Christmas dinner. I was doing loads of other stuff outside the pitch as well. And that was different at uh, Manchester because you had the, the, the core of the team. Uh, there was Vidic, there was uh, Rio, there was Scholes, uh, Giggs, Carrick. Uh, they were doing that. And then you had Fergie helping uh, here and there. So uh, I didn't really, I had to lose a lot of energy by organizing stuff. Uh, yeah, so, the, so the only thing I had to do was to, to come in, enjoy myself and play. Because all the side bits, all the other stuff, was already done by by, by those uh, other players who who were uh, older than me, uh, who uh, won loads. So in a way, um, just if you look at uh, if you look at it from my point of view, it was uh, of course it's a difficult move and the pressure is on and and you know from my point of view we we needed to win. Um, but in the basics of like playing football, it was it was easy because uh, I didn't have to do all the other stuff on the side. I read a quote from Anders Lindegaard and he said that the biggest contribution you made is that you made everybody's 
else ten percent better when you arrived. Yeah, that's and there was a, definitely a sense of excitement uh, between um, your teammates, and that is obviously what they needed at that time to give them a boost. Because you came on the back of uh, a golden boot, yeah, your most successful yeah. season for Arsenal scoring. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive compliment, of course. If you can influence your your teammates like that, yeah. you can trigger them with your training sessions, with your uh, uh, games. To, um, to actually, but the funny thing is, is that players like Vidic, players like Scores, Kicks, you know, I, I saw them doing things I've, I didn't see before. So I think we were triggering each other, you know, we were like <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis, like uh, I, I, I saw Scores giving passes I've never seen before. I'm like, how is, it, how is it even possible that he sees it, you know, and then does it? And that, that really triggers me, or how we played is like, uh, we, we, we always uh, yeah, sort of used to do a, uh, like a short warm-up inside, then we used to go outside to do five against two, the box game. And then the level there is like from the first ball, it's at the highest tempo, it's with tackles and everyone's going for every ball. That really triggered me. I was like, okay, you know, if you want to stay outside of this box game, you really have to be at your very best. You know, so uh, it's like early morning because it was always very early. You know, I was I was always bringing the kids to school and then rushing towards uh, Carrington, um, and then it was like at I think at nine nine, nine o'clock uh, nine thirty we were training, uh, and I think you all know how cold it can be at nine o'clock in the morning <laughs> in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still very early, but then you straight away start like full on everyone hundred percent. That really triggered me. It's only about three degrees colder, Robin, than London. Exaggerating <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it feels it feels like fifteen degrees colder. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the team's spirit at that time in the changing room? In my first year, that that was uh, that was very very good. Maybe the best team spirit I've seen. In terms of like, uh, because I, because Rio had uh, one of his uh, five uh, uh, bands. He he wasn't allowed to drive. So I was his taxi driver <laughs> for about six months because we used to live next to each other. And then what I like is that is that what tells you about the spirit of a team as well. It's like every single drive, it was going about football, going about winning, how we're going to beat the next team, um, yeah, about the team process, who's, who's doing well, who needs help. Who, uh, they were always... They were always asking, asking questions, you know, and, uh, but it was all, always about eventually winning you know we have to find ways to help each other to trigger each other to win you know and it was like uh, off the pitch um, yeah you know if, if stuff like that's happening is if it's, it's like 27 players the everyone has loads of money everyone thinks he's, he's the best player but everyone was at ease everyone was happy with his position in their team mm-hmm. you know everyone accepted it as well and uh, when you realize that as, as, a, as a team, as a coach, as players, I think then, that, yeah, then you're always, always competing for, for a trophy because that is the most difficult um, thing to, to actually happen in a team, that, that everyone is on the same page and everyone breathes football and everyone talks about it and just by one goal, by winning together. And um, yeah, yeah, you could see as well with Chikrito, for example, he, he, he wasn't the first 11 player in that year. But he made a big impact, you know, he uh, always came on every single training session. He, he gave it more than 100%. He was always there. He, he was always with yeah, Vida, always competing for every ball. 
uh, when he came on or when he started, he was always making a difference. You know, and those, uh, you know, if, if you have uh, those kind of players in that position, behaving and playing so well, that is one of the differences as well to be champion in the end, because you can't do it with 11 players. You, you, you need everyone. Every mm -hmm. single player really counts. And I think that every player gave each other that feeling. It's like, listen, if you're the number one or the number 27, everyone counts as much. And yeah. uh, that, that feeling I, I really had uh, that first year. It's really nice. Uh, we should talk about some of the football. You hit the ground running, hat-trick against Southampton, uh, including uh, your first Fergie time winner. Yeah. But in that game, you also missed a penalty with a, yeah. a Penenka. Did Sir Alex say anything to you about that? No, I actually said sorry to, the, to my teammates after the game because I didn't know what I was doing there. It was such a bad <laughs> Penenka. It was the worst Penenka ever. I, I just had a little freeze. I was like, because normally I hit them hard. And uh, that one I didn't, somehow I changed my mind. And that, that's the worst thing you can do with penalty. So if anyone's listening, you know, if you ever take a penalty, choose your corner, cover it before that, uh, don't be too obvious and stick with that corner. Because the, the moment you change your mind, it's, it's just, with me, it didn't work. I, I missed uh, about four penalties in my career. I scored more than 20. All those four penalties, I, I changed my mind. So. You have your answer there. Don't change your mind. Just stick to your corner. Are you the kind of player, Robin, that thinks about that one that you missed rather than the three you scored? Yeah, but at one certain moment, I uh, changed my way of thinking because I, I was thinking about what the keeper was thinking. Mm. And then it's a gamble. Then it's like, yeah, 50% it can go in or out or the keeper saves it. The, the moment I took control, uh, that was about after maybe six or seven penalties, I, uh, I was just thinking about it and I was thinking, oh, this, this, that, yeah, like long term, this doesn't work. Um, so I just changed my, my way of thinking. I said, now listen, I'm in control. I'm the one with the ball, not the keeper. I will choose my corner. I will practice on that corner. So I practice like uh, daily, like on the left corner, right corner. I never dare to uh, shoot it through the middle somehow. I thought about it a couple of times. But it was too scary for me. <laughs> you know, I was, it was too, I was thinking if the keeper saves it, it looks so bad, you know. It's, so I never did that. But I just made my left and right corners very strong. And um, after that, I just always went, well, most of the time. Uh, because it's like if you train it, it's easier. Because then, then there's no pressure. Then there's no, uh, like, a difficult uh, yeah, position in the game. Or it's like, um, so with, with the game pressure, you... Uh, still have to sort of try to uh, manage yourself and to like be really firm with yourself and uh, listen, forget about everything, forget about the game, just stick to your corner. It's like similar to, to the one against Liverpool. That was one of my most difficult penalties I, I uh, ever had to take because there was the penalty and then I had to wait five minutes before yeah. I could actually take it. And then it was like uh, I was in my focus, in my zone, out of my zone, in, out, in, out, in, out. And uh, so I, the only thing I just said to myself, my right side, my right side, my right side, my right side. Keep your focus, keep your focus. And then um, I was lucky there, you know, because uh, Pepe went to that corner as well. Uh, but it was at good pace and I just struck it so well. stuck to my idea, you know, and... Um, I think you, you uh, yeah, own your own luck there as well, you know, if you just stick to your plan. You talk about Liverpool there. What was your thought, your first 
venture over to Liverpool. Obviously, being a, it's a huge game for United fans. Yeah. Did you understand the size of of that game to the United fans and also, also the club? Yeah, of course, of course, I did. You played in huge derbies before, but yeah, no, of course, of course, it's like you you feel it even weeks before the game uh, yeah. starts. It's like everyone at the training ground talks about it. Uh, some people are saying, "Listen, we, we play this and this team in the next few weeks, but you know the the most important one is Liverpool in a couple of weeks." So, uh, of course, of course, I get that. And obviously, the last couple of years when I was there, City came along and City yeah. played really, really well. So uh, there was like a similar uh, size game, you know. Uh, but I, but I do get the whole history of Manchester United against Liverpool. Yeah, I felt that. And you actually you mentioned managed- City. Yeah, mentioning City. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say the three-two, the free kick at the end. Yeah, yeah, we're all thinking the same thing. Yeah, a bit lucky there though. It, it wasn't my nicest free kicks, but yeah, it went in. Deflection, it went in at a perfect timing in the 92nd minute. Uh, there was a big moment as well. There was like, and then you know, it, if if stuff like that, if uh, goals like that go in, then you really start to believe. I was talking with uh, Carrick after the game, and he said, oh, he said, oh, he said. You know, if we start to win these kind of games, he said, we, we have a very good chance of winning this year. That must have felt good hearing that kind of confidence inside the team. Yeah. Because presumably your main motivation at this point is winning the Premier League. Yeah. No, but that is what I felt during that whole first season. Everyone was so relaxed and confident because th- there's like this, this uh, stat of us uh, going behind 26 times in the league in, the, in my first season. And we, and we still won the league by uh, what is it? In the end, eleven points. Eleven, at one, 11 points, yeah. Eleven points. At one point, we were uh, we, we could possibly uh, go eighteen points at one point, uh, but we came behind twenty six times. So that tells you something <laughs> about how relaxed everyone was and how mentally strong and ready everyone was. Um, uh, but but that is what I felt during that whole season, from from the first to the twenty uh, seventh player. Did anything surprise you about your teammates, about the manager, about the club at that time? Um, yeah. Was anything different than what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, the, the toughness of everyone. It's like they could, uh, they could physically and mentally. I was like impressed. You know, I, w- I was impressed at, at what level that was. They were in training sessions as well. They were tough on each other, but everyone was okay with it. They, they were just cracking on and dealing with, with yeah, you know, injuries, dealing with setbacks, dealing with defeat. Uh, but there was like a calmness uh, that is, I think, in combination with, with the characters of the players and the staff we had. You know, there was some kind of arrogance, like flowing around everyone. Like, okay, you know, we, we got this, you know, uh, whatever happens, we got it. And uh, what I liked about, uh, as well about uh, Ferguson is, is after one defeat, I think against City it was, he um, uh, really trained us hard in the next couple of days. He, uh, as sort of, a, well, you can call it a punishment. Uh, but after that he had, a, he had a short meeting and he said, okay, he said, listen, I uh, had this couple of sessions with you done. He said, we lost the game, but we're still ahead. He said, now we have to forget it and we have to look forward. And, that is uh, that, that that is a very important point as well because if you lose, you know, it, it happens, it can happen, but it it, it it sort of all depends of how you react. You know, mm-hmm. if you 
stay unhappy, if you stay disappointed, and then uh, Ferguson always believed that your chance of winning the next game would be smaller. And I do believe so too. Um, you have to, at one point, like rather sooner than later, you have to give it a place and you have to move on. You know, and you have to learn from it. Okay, perfect. But now uh, he just wanted everyone to chat to, to each other, to be happy, to make jokes, and to just for everyone to be themselves. And he, d he didn't want a bad vibe for too long mm. after defeat. Okay, a, a question I, I'm desperate to ask you, not about defeat, but about victory. Aston Villa, first goal wins the league, second goal wins the goal of the season, third goal wins the golden boot. Perhaps the most unique uh, and spectacular hat-trick in Premier League history. What was that like for you? Especially when you scored the, the second goal, did you feel like you'd scored something special? Uh, not at that moment, no. Not at that particular moment, because I was so in the zone, I was so focused, everyone was. Um, and, and we just wanted to get it done there. Um, but I only, only because, yeah, and as well, in that period I uh, wasn't on uh, social media, so I, I didn't really uh, get what was going on around me. I was like in this bubble and I was focused and I just wanted to win. So. Um, and even afterwards as well, some colleagues showed me the volley and I was like, yeah, nice one, okay. And then, <laughs> then we just went to, uh, went to uh, have dinner together and we went yeah. to party a little bit. So I didn't realize it, like, like now, for example, if you score a nice goal, you, you see it like everywhere, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter, on uh, everywhere. <laughs> you know. So it was, it was for, yeah, from my point of view, it was different because I wasn't really, really involved in social media. I, I, uh, I, I was just living in that moment so much, you know, and I was really, really enjoying the moment. It was a, it was a fantastic day to score a hat-trick. And um, yeah, it was, I, yeah, I think, a perfect ending of that season, you know. Mm -hmm. Robin, the season couldn't have really got any better for you then, could it? No, I don't think the first season, well, maybe possibly if we would go a little bit further in the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, when we went out to uh, Madrid, uh, because we had a chance, we had the chances away and home. Um, that was a bit unlucky there. Um, so possibly could be better if we would go further there. Uh, mm -hmm. But no, if I'm really honest, no. It was it was a it was a dream first year. Yeah. And you got a guard of honor on your return to the Emirates. Yeah, which I didn't like. Okay. Why I is that? Personally, well, yeah, because there were still some of them were my friends. I uh, mm -hmm. spent eight years there. And, you know, I was just happy that, that it was over because, you know, I, I could see in, in their faces that they didn't like it, which I get. Um, and then you see me walking there, you know, I, I, I was just happy that it was over, to be mm -hmm. fair. Because uh, I think it's, it's a nice yeah, gesture, you know, to do yeah. uh, towards the champions. It's just it didn't fall right, not, not, not for me and not for uh, Arsenal. It was a little bit awkward there, so I didn't feel really comfy about that. And um, no, you know, from my point of view, it, it didn't really need to happen. But okay, you know, it's part of the rules, and in, in the basics, I, I do like it, but not that that yeah particular day. Robin, uh, we spoke to Ryan Giggs recently, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And by the time he won his 13th league title, <laughs> yeah. uh, that was your first. And he said he got so much joy watching players win it for the first time. Yeah. Whenever you look at players like that, like 13 times, 
And you you won it that first time. You were thinking, I want that feeling 13 times. It must have been incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was was doing a a show for uh, Premier League Productions with gigs um, a couple of months ago, obviously. And then... um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Steve, uh, presenter, was talking about my uh, Premier League trophy. And I was like, yeah, well, okay, you know, it's, it's <laughs> enough now, you know. I said, this, this guy is 13, you know. <laughs> Come on, man. I said, enough praise for me. Give it to him, man. Come on. Uh, and then, uh, and then kicks it to be fair. He's, he's like so uh, genuine, you know. He's so polite and he, he just goes with it. and. But he's an absolute legend, you know, 13 Premier League titles. and uh, Such a classy player, a fantastic guy. And uh, he was one of the players as well who, who really triggered me to do, to give my absolute best every single training session. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, the, the, the stuff he did, I just, he was 38 by then, I think 39 almost. He was doing some unbelievable stuff in training. I didn't see like no look passes. Uh, some crossbars where you think, why is he giving that ball? And then suddenly everything clicks a couple of seconds later. So I was like really doing training. I was sometimes just laughing and just really, <laughs> really enjoying the uh, sessions and, and the actions from, from guys like him. I guess was that it? enjoyment... Oh, no, go on, Helen. No, go on, ahead, Sam. No, please. I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What I was going to say was... Um, don't do that when you're presenting. Um, what I was going to say was when you had that feeling of winning the title, were you looking at other players and thinking, maybe they don't celebrate this the way I do? Yes. Because it was so normal to them. Did you feel that a little bit? I did feel that, yeah. I saw Skull <laughs> sitting at the back of the uh, bus. He was like almost, uh, yeah, he was enjoying in his own style. But yeah, he wasn't like me or like, like other players who were winning it maybe the first or second or third time. Mm-hmm. And um, they were quiet, you know, but but smiling and yeah, enjoying, but in a different way, definitely a different way. I could I could see like through that whole group, I could see who won more than uh, five, <laughs> uh, and who won it, <laughs> who uh, actually won it. Like like Butner, for example, Alexander Butner. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was complete. He was partying. He was all over the place. It was his first. You know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> if you if you see that difference between Alex Butner and Gixi, for example, it's, it's, it was quite funny to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something else we do need to to ask you about because it, even now it feels like you somehow, despite winning the Premier League and having such an incredible debut season, it still feels like you kind of got the raw end of the deal because after that first year, Sir Alex announces he's leaving. Yeah. How did that feel for you? And I guess for you, you were really surprised because I guess you thought he would be staying for a while. Yeah, it wasn't part of the plan. But yeah, in, in football that uh, happens, you know, players move, uh, coaches uh, move as well or stop. And his, his reason I uh, did fully get, you know, it was a private matter. That's why he stopped. Um, yeah, he gave 26 years to the club. He did an unbelievable job. I was disappointed, but that's it, you know. Um, then uh, shortly after that, you uh, move on. You know, I was, I was thankful to have worked with him for one year. But that's that's part of our job, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I did realize that very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even even then, then then we uh, then everyone was still like, okay, you know, we 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 go for it. Um, and then the second year was just tough. We be, we ended up being seventh. Seventh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, but at times I did feel that uh, that the stick I got was not really honest. That was my 
way of thinking. You know, maybe maybe I was maybe I was wrong. Maybe you you guys can judge that better than me. Uh, because I scored 18 goals in that second year for Manchester, uh, 12 goals for the national team. It was not that bad, you know. It's it's like it's not that I scored two goals or something. Uh, and it's not only based on goals. Uh, it, it's based on on your, on your performance and a lot of other stuff. How your team plays. So. Um, yeah, but but I didn't think that I had a really bad season that, that second season, for my view. It's just with the team it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Uh, how excited were you that um, your former national coach Lou Van Hal came in? Very excited, yeah, because I was up until that moment I was still working with him because the uh, the World Cup still had to happen, um, and I uh, had two uh, like it's like part-time but it's intense you know it's like every six weeks we, we uh, came together for the national team and uh, it was very very intense Louis is very intense as you know now uh, but he's a genius you know in the, the way he sees games tactically the way he trains he's, uh, he's a genius at that ruthless as well uh, which I knew because I knew him quite well I was his captain with the national team um, yeah, and uh, that that year I did struggle at times with uh, two injuries. With um, uh, just it didn't really go my way. I scored in the end, I think nine goals, which is not enough. If if you yeah, if you are a Manchester United striker, you have to score at least twenty. Um, so that that didn't happen. Uh, sometimes we we were unlucky with 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 some balls, some games, but okay. In the in the end, you uh, earn your own luck, so that that is not an excuse either. It just didn't work out with that, with that connection, and I didn't expect that, if I'm really honest, because I uh, I was, you know, when he announced that that he was coming, obviously I, I knew a little bit here and there. I, I heard some stuff. Um, I was really excited. I thought, oof, okay, hang on, you know, my, now maybe we can really come back. Um, but it didn't happen. Which is a shame for him, a shame for us. Uh, but it was a very tough year for uh, for most players mm. and for Louis. The thing is, though, Robin, so many players post United in the last few years have said that that year under Louis van Gaal they learned more than anybody else. I think Wayne Rooney said that. So why do you think it didn't click in that year? Was it just adjusting to maybe his tactics and the way things were? Yeah, tactically, I think uh, he's a genius. You know, he. Um, tells you before every game how the game will end up and most times it will actually end up that way which is, which is very special um, but as well it's like Ferguson in my opinion you have like different type of m- managers you have a manager which is uh, in, in, the, in the last phase uh, of, of his career maybe more than before but Ferguson was managing he was making sure that 27 players and the staff and the kitchen lady and the kid man, that everyone is happy, that everyone is at the same page. Um, Fergie was making sure of that, you know, and then you have uh, like a type of, um, uh, but, but Fergie's main thing was to keep everyone happy. Ferguson kept Ando happy as well, you know, Ando sometimes can be in his own world, you know, he's, a, he's a, uh, like a, a free bird, you know what I mean, he wants to be free, he wants to he wants to dance, he wants to sing, he wants to do this, he wants to do that, which is fine. But Fergie, Fergie 
accepted that and he, and he let him be himself, you know, and he let him free sometimes, and he let him make uh, maybe sometimes a little bit of a bad joke, whatever, it's fine. So Fergie accepted everyone for the person he was and made sure that everyone was on the same page, but mainly everyone was happy, you know. And then you have uh, like, a, like a trainer, like uh, Louis van Gaal, for example, he's like a, 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 like a trainer coach. He's not really managing the English style, mm -hmm. like um, uh, Fergie wasn't really training us every day. He had made a for that, yeah. assistant coach for that. And Louis was actually training us and he was like training us tactically. And you always have to look at, um, at your team because every team is different. And uh, we, had, uh, we had Falcao, for example. We had uh, Di Maria. Di Maria is, in my opinion, one of the, one of the best players I played with. Uh, you had me, you had Wayne. You had um, like free birds, you know, mm -hmm. uh, players who want to express themselves, uh, players who um, who are not really like into, a, who don't really want to be in a, in, a, in a strict structure, you know. And Louis did do that. Louis did do that. He, he said, "Listen, uh, you have to play my way. This is my philosophy. You have to do it," which is just right. But that didn't really click, in my opinion, with, uh, with, with all the players, because some players had difficulties with accepting that they could not really be free, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I had difficulties as well with that, if I'm really honest, because at the national team, uh, I did have to fight hard for it. I did have to work hard for it, but I did get it. I did get my freedom in the team. And that was very important for me. Um, and the way I see it, the way I look, at it now is that a couple of other players wanted that as well and he didn't give it to them, that kind of freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and that was tough to take, you know, and, and then if you're not on that same page, you know, if, if, you ask, as, if, if I talk for myself, it's easier to talk for myself, you know, um, like little things, you know, it was, I was like, because I was taking his penalties for the national team for two years. I didn't miss one penalty. Uh, then, then I come to Manchester, he has this new rule. Uh, because at Manchester I was, I was taking them as well, or it was me or it was Wayne. Okay, so that, that is how it ended up. I was happy with that, Wayne was happy with that. And then Louis changed his rule to do like a, uh, like a practice penalty shooting before every game. Uh, Robin was, so, so the one who took it before takes it at uh, first. Um, and then if you miss, you will be number five in that uh, as a penalty taker, so I was like, okay, so if, if I miss, so if I miss once in training, I, I, so I can't take the penalty anymore. Then I said, no, I don't agree, Louis. I said, sorry, man. I said, I, I've, I've been taking penalties for you. I never missed. And then you come with this rule. I said, no. I, I said, sorry. I said, I don't agree. I said, um, he said, no. He said because I want to uh, make you feel like like with with the game uh, stress and the game tension. He said, yeah, okay, but. If I miss one yeah, penalty in training, it is a bit harsh on me that I'm yeah. the, the number five on the list. I said, come on. Yeah, not even number two, straight no. to number five. Straight to number five. Mata, uh, Mata took them for, for Louis, didn't he, I think, for a while. Yeah, later on. So, so at, uh, after a couple of weeks, we did this again. And then I missed it. I missed it in training. And I, and I looked at him. I said, trust me. I said, I will take it tomorrow if you get a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> He <laughs> said, whatever you say. He said, we will see about that. <laughs> we will see about that. And then, uh, and then we actually got a penalty. 
and I, and, and I took it and I did score. He said, okay, this is the last time. But stuff like that, it's like um, he was handling that differently. And it's, it's not really, it sort of depends on, on the players, you know. Uh, some players would, would go well on that, some players wouldn't. And um, yeah, I, I didn't really get what the difference was uh, from my point of view then. It's always easy to talk from my point of view, is that um, I worked with him for two years and I didn't get that he was behaving differently towards me at Manchester United. I didn't get that because in the basics he is the coach of a team, you know, okay, national team is different, it's a slightly different situation, but in the basics I uh, didn't really get that and uh, afterwards he told me that, uh, that, that there is a difference in Louis van Gaal uh, as a club coach or as a national team coach. Hmm. Uh, I didn't really get that, I told him that as well. Um, but yeah, you know, at, at, at the other hand, um, I, I didn't really uh, blame him for a long time. You know, that is as well part of how it goes. And um, I had two fantastic years with him, a difficult year at, at Manchester United, uh, a, bit, uh, a bit sore ending, but that's part of life as well. And, and I, um, when I played my last game for Feyenoord, I called him up and I, um, and I, uh, told him, I said, listen, uh, it would be great if you would be there at my last game. Um, we had some great moments together. Yes, we did have some uh, uh, bad moments together or uh, painful at some times. I said, but this is how I see you. And then I uh, make a, made like a, like a roundup of how I saw him as a person, as a coach. And in, in the end, it is very positive. Yeah, we, we did uh, uh, go through a lot together in those intense three years. Uh, but but I still yeah respect him. I, I still highly rate him as a coach, and as a person he's special. Yes, uh, but but even as a person I, I do like him. You know because mm -hmm. he's very clear. He has one of one of his best qualities was that he was so clear. You know um, it's just with me is that with that freedom he didn't give me that freedom I wanted at Manchester United. Um, maybe he was right. I don't know, but from my point of view, this is from my point of view, I, I would like to uh, to have more freedom there. Um, but the, the, the coach chooses always one, two or three players who he gives that kind of freedom. Mm. Um, and th th that is his, his decision. Well, if leaving the club uh, was perhaps not perfect, but we know you left uh, at the very least in a very polite fashion because our producer was at the training ground the day you left and he saw you shaking hands saying thank you for everything, goodbye to, to people in reception. Yeah. Uh, what about your return? Because it might be, it's definitely the first and it may be, I'm, I would bet money, the last time that an opposition player scores at Old Trafford and is cheered yeah. by Manchester United fans. What was that like? Yeah, that was fantastic with Feyenoord Butcher. Mm -hmm. uh, we had absolutely no chance in that game. It was 4-0, uh, I think towards the end of the game, 86 minutes or something. Cross from the left side and an easy tap-in. But it was just a very special moment. They were very uh, positive throughout that whole game. You know, they were uh, cheering me on and uh, it was all very friendly. You know, it gave me a really good feeling and goosebumps. I was like, oh, this is this is nice. You know, this is one <laughs> I will never, never forget. Yeah, you know, all traffic, uh, almost 80,000 people uh, cheering you on like that in that way. Uh, that was, uh, I felt a lot of love there. Yeah.
Yeah. It's not happening now, obviously. But how do you feel when, uh, do people tell you when, you're, when your name is being sung? Because obviously that still happens so regularly. Really? You yeah. didn't know that? I didn't notice it, no. It still happens. Yeah, very regularly. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> your song is still sung very regularly. Great song. <laughs> and Robin, your record was beaten during the week. I know, your... yeah, finally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seven you happy years. then? Yeah, of course, seven years is too long, come on. Seven years, uh, hat-trick um, in the Premier League. Robin, it's been an absolute uh, privilege to talk to you. Before we go, we always ask our guests who they would recommend to speak to us uh, on the podcast. Which of your former teammates would be a good uh, podcast guest? Uh, did you have Vidic already? We didn't we have Vidic. That's a good one. Yeah. Perfect. You should go for Vidic. We will. Robin, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you, Thanks guys. for taking thank the you. time Thanks, to speak to us. Pleasure. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye. So, that was it. That was our chat with Robin Van Persie. Um, unfortunately, it didn't last the, the length of... Um, the Last Dance documentary. I think it could have. There's so many things we could have asked him mm -hmm. that, that maybe we didn't get time to. You know, what I, w I really wanted to ask. I wanted to ask about his uh, views on the Battle of the Buffet and Seth Fabregas oh. throwing pizza at Sir Alex. Yeah, we missed it. But we, only had, we only had so much time. Yeah. Yeah. Very good, though. I enjoyed it. It was. Very good. Really, really nice person as well, isn't he? Yeah. Lovely. Just like a mm -hmm. lovely man. I was really surprised by the detail he went into about his relationship with Louis van Gaal because we didn't mm -hmm. actually ask him about their relationship and how it started and how it finished and he just he just sort of explored it and it was really interesting and and interesting to think about the way that managers work and how that works for some players and not for others mm -hmm. because obviously Louis hugely successful yeah national culture as well so yeah, yeah. very good I tell you what he was an unbelievable he was an unbelievable player for us. Unbelievable player. Yeah. And the fact that, 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 you know, when he goes on about Giggsy having 13 Premiership medals and that's his first and watching Alexander Butner enjoying his first medal. Yeah, that was funny. It's great. It's cool. Scalzi just yeah. out of the back of the bus. As Scalzi probably would do anyway, just chilling out. Yeah, even if it was the first. Yeah, yeah. I also liked the way he talked about the toughness at United, mm -hmm. um, you know, in comparison. Not saying that was direct comparison with Arsenal, but, you know, he, he specifically mentioned that yeah, I think I like they all do, don't they? Well. I yeah. think all the players realise that when you... I certainly found it, the intensity and the, uh, the way you train, you train so much more... You try and train so much harder through the week that actually makes your games easy at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Brilliant player, yeah. brilliant yeah. person, brilliant podcast. That's mm -hmm. how I would sum that up, guys. Also, what's great is uh, that he gave such nice long answers. He was really detailed, really happy talking. Some people, it's a bit harder to get things out of because mm -hmm. they feel a bit more shy, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but just have to go for it still amazed that he got in touch with the club to find out if the players would be happy if he joined that's incredible I, I still don't understand the mindset of that did he think he wasn't good enough because he was such a big rival I suppose it's, it is quite a big deal isn't it yeah yeah but I just, what were they going to do turn him up and just shun him I don't know wouldn't say he'd had friendly conversations with um, Man United players previously to that yeah I guess not but, but especially, I, I tell you what I would do, though. If you're a Man United player and you've got Robbie Van Persie, Golden Boot, coming to your club the next season, what a boost that gives you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd want it, wouldn't you? You'd just oh, want good players. All day long. All day long. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was great. All right, uh, should, we, uh, should we run through some emails? Yeah, why not? Jack Burton says, Hi team, loving the podcasts, especially the variety of guests you have on. They have become an essential part of my lockdown routine. I have particularly enjoyed the time given to each person to tell their story. My favourites so far have probably been Albert Morgan, Ben Thorny, Lee Sharp, as they have been on a very different journey to most of the others and certainly no less interesting. Someone else who I would really like to hear from is David Gill. I think he could offer a great insight into Sir Alex, their relationship and running the club past and present day. Plus, it would tee up nicely for when you eventually get Fergie on the show. Whilst I am at it, can I please have a big shout out for getting Patrice Everett a job amongst the youth team coaching staff. He has the United DNA running through his veins and would be truly inspirational for the talented kids we have at the club. Keep up the good work. All the best, Jack. I think that would be an excellent podcast, David Gill. Yeah, David Gill would be amazing, wouldn't it? And thank you for, sorry, I would also just say thank you to Jack for congratulating us on our variety of guests. Very much a team effort. Cheers, Jack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank Jack. you. Thank you, Jack. Uh, James West has one here that says, Hi, Helen, Maisie and Sam. Just listened to the Ben Thornley pod and wow. I've listened to them all and usually have an agonising wait for the next, but that one hit hard. You can understand why Helen got emotional, that's for sure. It was great listen to listen to Ben share his side of things as he's such a humble guy. What a player he should have been too. I'd love to hear from Steve Bruce. I bet he has some cracking stories. Cheers, James. Uh, thanks, James. All I think about when we think about Steve Bruce now is Albert's story about cleaning up the changing room. And Steve Bruce coming in with a huge broom. Sweeping <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Hi, Trips. My name is Alan from Glasgow. Hi, Alan from Glasgow. I'm afraid I don't have the vocabulary to express how much I enjoy the podcast. All I can say is that as a prospective footballer in my youth who was also injured by an opponent and had my career taken away from me, the Ben Thornley episode really resonated so much that I got a bit tearful. No disrespect to Ben, but he had fallen into the group of former United players that I had forgotten about but now is absolutely one of my inspirations. I suffer from depression as a result of what was taken away from me over 20 years ago and listening to the pod has really brightened up some dark days. Uh, truest excellent work with the podcast and I hope it continues for many years. Thanks, Alan. That is really, really That's lovely. lovely that, Alan. We'll pass yeah, that on to Ben, nice. actually, personally. I, actually, I, I have actually sent it to Ben. And, oh, you've um, done it already? Yeah, oh, and he came lovely. back, thumbs up. That's a beautiful message. Aww. Thank you. That's really lovely. Aww. Thank you. Uh, I'll do one last one, shall I? And then we'll say goodbye. So Matt Dresser says, Hello, Sam, Ellen and David. Uh, Sam, is that Matt or Matthew? Oh, same as our producer, Matthew. Oh, yes. Lovely. <laughs> Matt Dresser says, Hello, Sam, Helen and David. I wanted to send you a quick note to pass on my appreciation for your excellent work on the podcast. I became a Manchester United fan in 0203 when I was 10 years old and haven't looked back. Your podcast has provided a lot of interesting conversation with players past and present and is providing insights into their lives and careers that you just can't get anywhere else. That's fine. Keep it here. Uh, one of my fondest memories in life is my first and only trip to Old Trafford, which ended up conceding. Coinciding. Coinciding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which ended up conceding with... Nope. No. <laughs> did it again, did I? Yep. Yeah. Coinciding. <laughs> coinciding. I'll do that again. Please. One of my fondest memories in life is my first and only trip to Old Trafford, which ended up coinciding with being there to see Marcus Rashford's debut and two goals in the Europa League and his Premier League debut against Arsenal with another two goals for him. A great memory and I can't wait to get back there someday. I agree with other listeners' suggestions and people who you should get on would be a good podcast. So I want to hear from Bex, Kath Phipps, who uh, we have asked. She is the legendary receptionist at um, Carrington, but she she doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah. she said no. Because 
scared of Maisie, probably. Um, and also that she Johnny Evans would have some great conversations and stories. <laughs> Thanks again for the great work you do. Thank you very much, Matt. Well done, Matthew. If there's anyone you would like to hear from in future episodes, why not get in touch? United Podcast at manunited.co.uk. That address is in the show notes if you need it. And as always, we would really appreciate if you could rate and leave a review, five star, um, and all positive notes, please. Whenever you listen to your, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. What What would make you give a podcast a four star review? What's it not doing? That's just. Like, how can we not get five stars? We've had Ryan Giggs on here. We had Robin Van Persie today. He's a five star player.